Hello, hello. Welcome to Ami Tuckered Out. I am your host, Ami Tucker Ravel, and I am super pumped about today's guest. She is the definition of boss lady and has built an empire in a city, an industry that sees thousands of people try to make it there daily. I am super thankful for her time. She's a very busy woman. Malani Agarwal, aka Miss Malani, is the founder and creative director of Miss Malani Entertainment. She pioneered Indian lifestyle blogging with MissMalani.com in 2008. The website reaches over 4 million from over 200 countries, and she has a social media following of over 7.5 million. So yeah, she has a few people following her. She has been on Impact's 50 Most Influential Women in Media, Marketing, and Advertising. She has been on Fortune India's 40 Under 40 list, on GQ's 50 Most Influential Young Indians, and has been named India's Most Famous Blogger by the Huffington Post and Forbes. She has been involved in television with TV series such as Miss Malani's World on TLC, she has host Gasina on Zoom, and she has been working on two seasons of VH1 Inside Access with Miss Malini. And you'll learn in the interview that she is doing so much more. But before we get to the interview, I wanted to share a new podcast with you guys called Say Their Name by my friends at DCP Entertainment. It is a podcast I think that everyone needs to listen to. And here is a trailer. Whose story? What story? You need to watch the reality. It should make you uncomfortable. We have been too comfortable with too many bad things happening for too long. Her story. Police officer shot and killed a black woman in her own home. Hashtags through history. Incident Police officer incident. shot and killed yeah. a black woman yeah. in her own home. Say Their Name. Tune in to Say Their Name, a podcast that focuses on the assault and killing of unarmed black people by police and in Stand Your Ground states. But my child getting shot in the head, 60 seconds, that's how long they took. Wasn't no criminal. My baby was a good man, a good hardworking man. I'm the mother, father, sister, uncle, grandmother. We were best friends. Gentle, laid back, fun, sweetheart. He was a, a great kid, always had a smile on his face. This was a person who was our friend, our colleague, just the opposite of anyone you'd feel you need to defend yourself from. What happens when the hashtag stop, the media leaves, yet the community remains? I know our pain, you know, I want them to know our pain. The community was traumatized and experienced his murder too. Because the only thing they gave me was $60,000. And by the time I got the check, I only had $19,000. Please listen and subscribe to this and other DCP shows at dcpofficial.com, on Apple, Spotify, Google, Pandora, or wherever you get your shows. You know, there's just so much stuff now. So sad that kids can't come outside and play. So I want to first tell you that I did read your book, 
And I mean, over Kindle, and I was like, okay, I can do this. And so in between dropping kids and all this stuff, and I haven't read a book in a very, very long time. And it was just, I mean, we've met a couple of times. We've hung out. I know you. It was a good, fun read. And the thing I really liked about it is that it was like talking to you. You were writing like you were talking and it was just very like we were in a conversation. So there's a few things I want to, that I realized after reading it, how much we have in common. So I'm going to list out a few. So I don't know if I ever told you this. I was in Bombay from 2000, after Enron, which didn't work out. I was in Bombay for about eight months and I lived with TJ Sidhu, who I think you might know. And during that time, I was a backup dancer and I can't, I can't remember for the life of me who the pop star was, but it was during that time when the, like the pop stars, the new music was kind of separating from Bollywood. I was terrible. I'm a great freelance dancer, but they put me, I was a backup, backup dancer. Like I was on the back and I'm sure you probably know all the, I mean, all these guys are still doing it, but yeah. So I was a backup dancer. I tried out to be a VJ. Oh, terrible wow. flop. We have so much in common. That's crazy. Oh, no, no, wait. Favorite Bollywood movie, Andaz Apna Apna. Nice. Swear to God. When I, when I read that, I was like, oh, okay, she's like my soul sister. So I know Friday Club, I've come to a few of those events. And I always thought of The Breakfast Club when I thought of Friday Club. But then when you mentioned it in the book, like that's my, like Don't You Forget About Me is my favorite song of all time. So that's another one. You mentioned like, Pepsi events that you hosted or emceed or whatever. My husband works for Pepsi. I just thought that was kind of fun. And then, of course, our husbands went to the same business school. I don't know. So I was like, okay, we're, we're, we're soul sisters. It's cool. I'm very excited. So I read the book. Obviously, I can Wikipedia you and did all that. But I kind of wanted to go through, I mean, you wrote so much in it about your life and this and that. I kind of want to talk to you about all that. Because obviously, when we meet, we're drinking, we hang out, we party, we pass out. And so... You grew up, and I love this word, a diplo brat, because your father was in the foreign service, and you have some pretty epic stories from there. And I know you enjoyed that time. That's how you became you. Was there anything about that time that you didn't like or you didn't enjoy? I think at that age, you kind of feel bad about leaving the friends you make. Like every three years, you have to bounce. So I think that really did have a huge impact on my personality that I got used to reinventing myself every three years. But the good thing was that if you had a fight with someone you knew in three years, you're never going to have to deal with them again. So it was like, and I also really enjoyed going into a new country and we were really lucky. The diplomat life is, I would highly recommend it. Not having to do all the work and study to become a diplomat, but get the free ride. It was amazing. So I would love getting, you know, going to a new country, going into the big house, choosing my room, having these amazing experiences. Although I feel like Greece was lost on me. I was nine years old. So in hindsight, I'm like, wow, I was all about the playground and I was missing so many things. But I love being able to like experience going to the Acropolis and going to these islands. And so it really feels like a whole other life. I think about it because I've been in Bombay 20 years. I was in Delhi for six years before that. But before that, it was a whirlwind. You know, it was like Somalia, Lebanon, Greece, Bulgaria, Germany. It was amazing. And it's really hard to explain it to anyone who hasn't lived that life, what it was really like. But I think most of it I really enjoyed. I mean, because I was a kid, I didn't really feel the impact of things like being in Lebanon during the war. My parents were very stressed out. But for me, it was like, oh, wow, we're going to go collect bullet shells in the morning, you know? So at like that age, you don't realize. Yeah. I read that part about your puzzle being destroyed. And I was like, oh my God. And I love the way you wrote it. You wrote it 
through the eyes of a child, right? Like you're like, what the hell? My puzzle. Like, I don't understand this. And the other thing I loved about your childhood stories was that you really remembering and still like connecting with those childhood friends because the childhood friends are friends you can never, you can never build that again. And then you grew up, you yeah, had four siblings, which is insane. You were always the baby. So do you have the like the younger child, youngest child syndrome, like the baby syndrome? Yeah. So I have three siblings and my eldest brother is actually 14 years older than me. So I was basically like the kid and my sister was 12 years older. So I was like, oh, there's a doll. You know, everybody wants a human doll. And that's literally what I was for her. So I was definitely somebody who got away with everything because you had three layers above you protecting you. So I'm pretty sure I was a brat for a large part of my childhood and nobody really gave me too much shit about it. Um, so yeah, it was it was absolutely amazing. And I still have that relationship, even though I'm like 43 now with my elder siblings, they still baby me sometimes. I don't have three, I have one, but I definitely use it to my advantage. And then your dad, like we talked about, he was in the uh, foreign service. And then your mom had to basically have four jobs raising you guys. And then you mentioned in the book how you guys are like, your mom's like your rock. Yeah, she is. And she still is. She's like 80 years old now. And still like the champion FOMO queen. I, you know, everybody who meets her says, oh, well, now I know where you get it from. When I look back now and, you know, I work with a lot of women with Girl Tribe and I look at how people don't always have it easy to choose their career, to choose who they marry. But she never made that a thing. And I just took that for granted. She would be front and center at every show I danced at with her little recorder filming it. There was no judgment. And, you know, probably at that time, most parents would not be okay with their child dancing on stage or performing at weddings or doing all those things. So I'm really grateful because she really was so supportive and she lives vicariously through me. Now she comes to Bombay and meets all her favorite celebrities and says very mom things to them. So it's quite funny. Oh, I love her already. She's like the star of the book. And yeah, I think, you know, part of this podcast, I talked to South Asians right around the world and everyone's story is kind of the same. It was hard for our parents to let us do these unique paths. My parents still don't know what I'm doing. They're like podcasts. I'm like, I know, don't worry about it. And the other thing I loved about what you said about your childhood is that parents of kids that move around, don't worry that they turn out fine. We've moved. This is my seventh move. I love my husband, so it's all good. And I'm following him. But so my kids have moved three times and they're only six and three. And there are times where I'm like, are we screwing them up? Yeah, I pre that resonated with me very well. It's like, okay, it's going to be, if you can be like Miss Molly, we're, we're all good. Education, you get exposed to the world. I genuinely believe that travel is the best classroom ever. You learn so much that you can't learn in a book. You learn tolerance, you learn just things that you are able to grasp. You know how you can pick up a language at a young age? You can pick up empathy at a very young age. And I think that, that travel really helps you do that. Yes, no, definitely. And hopefully we can travel again someday. So, okay, let's get into Bombay. So you come to Bombay. I know you initially probably wanted to be a VJ. And then, you know, you ended up obviously doing the copywriting and shifting. I read about the pool audition that you had to do. I mean, knowing you now, I can't imagine you doing it, but was that something that was like, okay, I'm done with this? Am I growing out of it now? I think it was more of a reality check and disappointment at the fact that that's how it works because I quite liked how VJs are very impromptu and they chat and, you know, and I never really, I've always been very comfortable with how I look and everything. And then I realized in that weird moment that they were expecting like a stick thin model to play the role. And, and I absolutely love Carol, but I felt like it wasn't an equal footing that they were assessing us on. And the fact that he even said, you have the gift of gab, but I'm like, isn't that the job? So I was kind of disappointed in that. It kind of like, I guess subconsciously felt shallow. And I was like, okay, well then maybe I want to do something else. 
Yeah. I mean, you would be the perfect BJ, but... Yeah, but I ended up ironically having my own TV show at the end of it with Viacom. I guess it all comes around eventually. Without having to come out of a pool. Without having to come out of a pool. I mean, I have no problem coming out of a pool, but... (laughs) But not not like slowly. Yeah. Yeah. And then I know that you have copywriting. And again, it was great that you, throughout the book, mentioned all your mentors that helped you along the way. I think that was fantastic. And then your gig in radio, which I know you loved. I worked with TJ at Red FM, I believe, for a little bit. And I fell in love. I was like answering people's calls. But out of everything you've done, is radio still your favorite platform? I think it is. I think that I just like the idea of the theater of the mind. And because that's why every book you read will always be better than the movie. Again, because it takes away that whole, I need someone to look like a model coming out of a pool expectation. And you just, you identify with people. And I learned everything that I needed to actually at the radio station that I applied all through my career, which was something really simple that the MD of radio had told me once, Tariq Ansari. He said, even though you're broadcasting to millions of people, it's actually a very personal relationship. So six people listening in a car, each person individually is having a moment with you. And which is why everybody thinks their favorite radio jockey is really good looking because you've invented this vision in your mind. And I took that same brand ethos to the blog, just like I've written the book. I've always written my blog as a personal letter to someone. Or as if I'm talking to a friend, not really as a reportage or a news piece. And I think I got that from being on the radio. Yeah. I feel the same way about podcasts. I feel like it's one-on-one and I can feel like I can be, like, be myself because in my mind, there's one person listening. I love talking to people one-on-one. That's like my favorite thing to do. And so it's just an easy, personal medium that can reach across. And even for people who are listening to a podcast, they feel like they're listening in on a conversation that's intimate between friends. And that's what people like to do, you know. And you don't have to wear makeup all the time. And I'm wearing my PJs right now and it's fantastic. No, I'm wearing like pajama shorts under this. So. Yeah, no, you look you look very hot. You're you're wearing your Zoom, your now Zoom outfit, right? So you did the shows Horn Okay Please, Pirate Radio. I know those were the big ones where you interviewed I mean you've interviewed everyone, so I can't even start naming all the people, but um you had stories about a stalker. Many, many epic stories. And again, I'm going to tell everyone listening, please read her book. It's such a fun and awesome read and educational. Is there any stories that you maybe wanted to put in there that you didn't put in the book for any reason? I don't know if I didn't put it in for any reason. I think you just run out of space, really. But I think that, you know, when I was writing my book, I realized that there's all these little crazy things that happen in your life that you never think that one day are going to go in a book. And a lot of those anecdotes have gone in the book. But I think the one that I, I don't know if I put it in the book or not is when I met my husband at Friday Club, ironically, which was never supposed to be a singles club. I remember he came in and I was like, oh, he's cute. He's tall. And I used to always I was kind of like the social butterfly in the group because I was trying to entertain everyone. So I would run from group to group. But I thought he was so interesting that I was like, hey, I'll be right back. And normally I never go back, but I did go back, obviously. And he's like, oh, wow, people don't usually do that. I'm like, really? I always do that. But for some reason, I just could not remember his name. And I kept introducing him to people saying, sorry, sorry, what's your name? And after a while, he was like, this is ridiculous. And he had to leave that night. So I found the friend that he had come with. And I found his picture in one of the albums. So I literally stalked that friend, Mike Delves, and found a picture he was tagged messaged him to say, I'm sorry, I didn't remember your name. Like super slick of me, by the way. And he's always like, wow, you really pursued me, didn't you? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of did. You can over time just kind of change the narrative. That's what I've done with Barth. I'm like, yeah, you were following me around for like a year and a half. Exactly. (laughs) And eventually eventually they give up, they're men. I love it. That's a cute story. 
from there, I'm sure you were doing a billion different things, I know, but you get a column at midday, page three, to kind of highlight the social scene in Bombay, if you will. And that essentially becomes Miss Malini, correct? It was. In fact, it was called Malini's Mumbai, ironically. And if I look back in 2003, it was the first iteration of the blog. I mean, what's crazy is I started my career before Facebook existed. And that's why I say that like, twice in the book. I'm like, just imagine a world where it was just ICQ or Yahoo chat rooms and where the internet was probably a kinder place. There were less people on it. And I feel like it was just the most incredible experience to do all those things because so I grew up all over the world and I remember people when they look at India and, and it's not their fault they see National Geographic or Slumdog Millionaire they don't picture modern India and so as a result I had a friend in, in Greece when I was nine who said do you go to school on an elephant and they weren't trying to be offensive and I was like that would be effing amazing like yes I mean I would love, love to yes I would love to go to school with <laughs> elephant but that's just not an option and that's why I kind of, I was so blown away when I came to Bombay that how it's the city of dreams and I'm living proof that you can come here, build yourself from scratch. You don't need a lot of money. I have no money. You don't need mentors. You don't need someone to pull strings and you can do it. I can do it. Honestly, I didn't have any special tricks up my sleeve. Anybody can do it. And that's what I always tell people through the book. It was never a book about Bollywood, even though it's called How I Blogged My Way to Bollywood. It's really about following a passion and, and the fact that it's just so doable. And I love that about this city. Yeah. I mean, I think every a lot of people compare Bombay to New York, kind of the same beating heart, but it is tough, Malini, right? Like anyone can do it. You're right. But you have to have thick skin. And I'm sure you've gone through many ups and downs to get where you're at. And it, I think the main thing is that you have to ride it out. They say for New York, you hate it for the first three years and then you fall in love. And I'm assuming that's the same thing about Bombay. It is. And you know, when I started off, I didn't know anything about page three culture or Bollywood. I love Bollywood movies, but I didn't, I wasn't part of the scene. And I remember when I first started out my career, and actually this is a funny story. I don't know if it's in the book. I'd gone to interview some celebrities at an event and I'd gone in like my raggy clothes and whatever, and everyone's all dressed up. And I had to ask this, you know, actor for an interview and I'd gone to cover his movie launch, right? So like he should have been happy. And this is when blogs weren't really, you know, everyone's like, what's a blog? People must be playing games online. And so I went up to him and I said, can I, you know, ask you some questions for, can you give me a video bite? And he's like, yeah, I'm a little busy right now. He was not busy at all, by the way. He was just standing around. So I waited 15, 20 minutes, half an hour. And then I was like, look, it's 11. I'd like to go home. And then finally he gave me his video bite and I left. And I remember being so upset about it saying like, you know, I'm trying to do my job here. And it's so ironic that at the end of it, it was like a very much lesser successful actor now. And I ran into him again and he's like, oh, can you please write about me? And I was like, I'm kind of busy right now is what I wanted to say. I was like, I said, I told him the whole story and he was a little bit embarrassed. And I was like, I'm not trying to say it badly. I'm just like, it makes me feel good that I've come full circle. But it also made me realize how you have to think about the other people with a whole heart. They're just trying to do their job too, you know? Right. Well, I want to mention this before I forget, but you've talked about women supporting women and supporting people who are trying to build their careers or whatever. and I just want to say, I really appreciate you taking the time for oh, me. No, no, it's a, it's, you know, you don't have to, you're a very busy woman and I'm very thankful. It was nice of you to support me because I'm still building the podcast and you'd be surprised how many people that I, I'm actually like, I'm in contact with constantly that have said no. It just goes to show that you walk the walk. So thank you. So, okay. So then you start the blog and I guess. When did you know it was time to quit everything, all the other things you were doing and just be like, this is me now. I'm, I'm going forward. 
So I've always had multiple jobs. And that's what I always tell people that you don't need to pick one, do everything. So you know what you don't like to do. And I remember I was still doing my radio show at night. Then I was doing the column and I joined Channel V as, you know, their digital content head also on the side. And I started the blog when I was doing the column because I felt like a lot of the stuff I'd write about, they would just cut it down for space and just write about the celebrities and not like the cool music or art scene I'd seen. And so I remember being in Dubai. I think you might know Karan Wadera. And he was like, hey, why don't you start a blog? And I remember saying, what's a blog? 2008 this was. And then he just made me a WordPress account and, and sent the login. And I remember thinking like for a good year and a half, how much I love doing it. And I did it on the side, but it didn't make any money. So there was no concept of making it a career. And there was no real bloggers either. But I remember thinking I would leave work every day after I finished my whole day at Channel V, after I wrote my column, after I finished my radio show and get home at midnight and I would blog till 2 a.m., out of the joy of it. I just love that it was a place where I could just write. I love to write more than anything, even video or even radio. I think I just love to write. And I was like, well, I really want to do this. And, and my husband now, he was my boyfriend at the time, was at business school and he had come back. He was very supportive of what I was doing. Initially, we were actually thinking to move to Europe. The plan was never to stay here. And then this had taken off. And I told him how much I love to do it. And he was doing really well working in finance. And he's like, well, you know, if you really love it, I'll support us for the year. Let's give it a shot and see how it goes. And so, you know, I think I really respect and admire him for doing that. He didn't have to. And it just took off. And very quickly, it became our both of our careers. And now he's my CEO. So it just all works. It falls into place. And I think there are little things, right? When we started breaking stories that regular tabloids picked up after us is when it kind of became like, ah. Oh, then okay. you knew. Yeah, then you kind of yeah. knew that maybe you're doing something right. And because we've always taken the stand of being happy, shiny, there's enough people writing negative stuff or fashion policing people. So we had a, a better relationship with celebrities. We had a much more human connect. You know, I'd rather see Shah Rukh Khan play charades with Abhishek Bachchan than ask him about his fight with Salman Khan, you know? And so it was unique. And now you see content creators do that all the time. Right. I mean, you're taking a different angle. And I was going to ask you how, I mean obviously going well, but you're working with your husband every day. How is that? Like pros and cons? So it's actually, it's a lot of fun because he's quite chilled out and he loves to cook and I don't do any of those things. So I'm, I literally like in the lockdown, no joke. If I lived alone, I would have starved to death by now. I'm like having gourmet meals every night. So it is not always easy because you bring your work home. If you have a fight at home, it carries on to the office. If you have a fight in the office, it comes home with you. But over time, we've really built a good understanding and I think one of the things that's been really important is that he's always been okay with me taking the limelight per se, because people don't realize the Miss Malini brand and business takes a whole army to run. I have two co-founders, Mike Melly and Nashad, and I couldn't have done it without them. I just get to be the one in media and everyone's like, oh, look, you built an empire. It would never have been this without them. But he has never once felt shafted because of it. He's quite happy to let me take that limelight. And I think that's the secret sauce. You have to be okay with letting one person take the lead and have that kind of personality. Otherwise, it wouldn't work. But having said that, well, of course, you bring, you have your fights, you have your arguments. I've had conversations where I'm like, you can't talk to me like this in the office. And I'm sure he's done that too. But overall, all in all, the pro is that we spend the same schedule together. There was a time when I used to work in fashion or whatever, like in, in doing the blog and he would in, be in finance. And I came home from fashion week at 5 a.m. And he was getting ready to go to the office. And I remember feeling so bad for him. And so he was always on this other schedule. But now we could travel together. We're not limited to things. So it was really, really nice. 
That sounds kind of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely think one person, I mean, it, it is about yin and yang for marriages, I think, for sure. So that's, no, that's great. Okay, so I want to talk to you about your book. Awesome again. You know so many people in, in Bollywood and, and celebrities and just names. So why Priyanka Chopra? Write the forward. So I think Priyanka, uh, what I really admire about her is that she's dealt with her fair share of judgment and negativity because in you know Bollywood, they put you up on this really high pedestal and you're bound to topple off of it. So rumors and all sorts of things. But I think she's always been all heart and she's worked so hard. And I think that she really understands women supporting women. I always wanted her to do it. Every time I would meet her, we would always have a fun conversation and it was relaxed and it didn't feel like I'm the star and you're the press. So I think it was one of those things. Also, because I didn't really want to overstep all relationships and ask someone I don't know that well. Um, so I was very happy that she did it. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that you tell your story, but then I also love that you're gracious enough to give advice to anyone that wants, not just that wants to take your path, but any path. And it was just so well done and simple. You don't have to explain stuff in a complicated way. So I think that's great that you added that into the book. The 24 things before you die list. Where are we with that? Oh my God, we're pretty close. The only thing I missed out was it wasn't cold when I went to Switzerland because I really wanted to do the chiffon sari, but I did run by the train. And I went on a birthday cruise for my 40th. And my goal was to get to the edge and do the Titanic pose, but it was so windy. We just couldn't make it to the front. So that's still on my list. And I think these are all things that I think I will eventually take off. Actually, now that you mentioned it, I should go revisit the list and see how far we've come. I was reading some of it. I'm like, this is, I might steal a few of those from you. And the other thing in your book and just in your life in general, the two other, I feel like characters that you're married to, not married to, but two main characters in your life are Bombay, Mumbai. I still can't call it Mumbai, I'm sorry. And Bollywood. And those two have been such a big part of your life. Cheesy question, but like, what does that mean to you? Is that correct to say that? Absolutely. Like I said, Bombay has given me everything I could ever have dreamt of. If I had stayed in another city or, you know, my dream was always to go to the American University of Paris or NYU, I would not be who I am today. I literally am living the dream. If you ask me what, you know, a lot of people do whatever job they're doing to make the money or they're like, okay, once I retire, I don't ever want to retire. I'm living the best life ever. I have such great love around me. No two days are the same. Obviously, you have some days where you're like, I don't want to do anything. But really, I really feel so blessed and be able to work in an industry that never existed, to be able to carve a path that makes me so proud and not to be just like anyone else. Like, I feel like I really have always wanted the Miss Malini brand to leave a legacy beyond me. People that I admire, like Oprah, Ariana Huffington, that, you know, those are my goals to leave an impact of that nature. And I've been able to do things like I got to go and hear Michelle Obama speak when they had 50 influencers from around the world. And she said the best thing. She's like, people say that you have to pull other women down to succeed. It's just not true. And she said, I, I feel so confident and so hopeful looking at this room of 50 women that in this room are tomorrow's leaders and sisters and mothers and, you know, influencers who are going to set the tone for the next generation of children, because that's how they're going to learn to be gracious, to understand equality, tolerance. And it's so true. We're that generation that's going to make that change. So I'm excited to be in this time. I think that's huge that you're part of that. And I think, like I said, just learning from doing this podcast, I think the woman supporting woman is so needs to be out there. And then especially the South Asians, you know, because a lot of times I think our people don't think there's enough room for everyone. And there is, there's room for everyone. There is. I, I read an amazing quote that I love that says, I don't need to unscrew anybody else's light bulb to shine. 
And I really, really like that. Yeah. In fact, let's just call it negativity. So I have no doubt you will continue to build your Star Wars empire. I love Star Wars references as well. Okay. So now you guys have a production house, a blogger network. You have TLC, Miss Melanie's World. You're on Zoom, Kiasinhe, VH1 Inside Access. And you're doing a season two. Correct. We finished season two, in fact. And season two is done. Yeah, okay. season two is done. I'm probably going to be doing a show. I was planning to start a show on Voot, but obviously because of production timings, it got you know delayed now. But we have a lot of fun shoots in the pipeline. The big thing that I'm really excited is we're launching an app next month called Malin Tribe. So I don't know if you've seen the community on Facebook. So there's 51,000 women in that. We're t- turning it into an app because I wanted to create a space where it's not about followers and likes, and we wanted to flip that on its head. So you get rewarded for the amount you put out there because you can choose always how much you give. So you can earn positivity points that you can now redeem by doing good things, by sharing and commenting. And I don't want a public display of followers or display of you know how many people like you. Uh, it's So our emotes are empathy, kindness, Love, prayers. That's awesome. I know about the, the Girl Tribe and then some good news, which we'll, we'll get to. That looks awesome. I guess really quickly for all of us in the US, how are things in Bombay throughout this pandemic and how has it changed your day-to-day life working and the projects that you're doing? So life is difficult. I think Bombay started off with just two cases and then it just escalated rapidly. And because it's such a dense population, it's really still pretty bad. I don't even know if we've peaked yet. So people are struggling. We're quite lucky when, you know, you think about it. My only big problem is that I can't really leave the house as much. My Wi-Fi works, everything. I have food on the table. So I'm probably not struggling the way people are. So my answer to this question will probably feel very shallow compared to what people are really going through. But everyone's adapting, learning new skills. All the people who thought they were tech challenged are now on Zoom all the time and connecting. I thought about it and I was like, wow, you know, this future we talk about, we're in it. We just thought there would be flying cars. But aside from that, this is the future. We're sitting here in an episode of Black Mirror, literally. And so it's it's literally that. And I feel like the big learning has been, especially for me, that my life used to be going out five days a week, whether to an event or partying or all those things. And I miss doing that, but I don't miss it that much. I really just have a small core group, my bubble that I still meet now. And that's enough. And I'm very happy at home. I'm writing my second book. And, you know, there's a lot of things that I feel I've learned so much about. Yeah, it's called The Accidental Troll. It's the guidebook, the basically the, the book that we never got growing up to equip us to behave online the way we should or the way we do in real life. This is amazing. So, okay, current projects include the, that book, the new app for Miss Malani's Girl Tribe, correct? And then obviously the book that I read, which is how I blogged my way into Bollywood, which I came out a year or two ago, right? Then I read, you're doing something called Some Good News, Yes, yeah, so we did a, se- a season of it, basically inspired by John Krasinski because he had done it internationally. So we're like, this is amazing. I know. And so we did our India version. So we did a season of that, which was a lot of fun. And now we're trying to do, so we're, tr- you know, there's a lot of new apps here. So there's an app called Josh, which is kind of a new Indian version of TikTok. So we're going to be doing like a Bollywood show on that. Um, I'm actually helping Sunny on his project as well, which I'm really excited about where he's doing a lot of interesting things. I'm sure he'll announce soon. And so there's lots of little things, you know, in play. And it's really exciting time. So we have sub company called Ignite, which is our influencer network, where we, you know, we wanted to give back to the influencer community. So we basically created a space where influencers, we're a matchmaker between influencers and brands. Uh, we help them find the brand. And obviously it's commission based, but it helps everyone because they get legitimate influencers and the influencers who don't, don't know how to negotiate their, you know, deals or don't have, a, you know, a sales back end can just use ours. 
how do you think you stayed relevant throughout all these years? Because I feel like there's so many people younger and younger trying to do what you're doing. It's hard. I think, you know, when I think about being 43 online, I'm like, wow, do I even know what's happening anymore? Um, <laughs> and it was so funny. I remember an incident at the office where I, I, you know, I'm such a grammar Nazi. So I was like, what is it me? What is like, it is me. And somebody was like, no, no, no. That's what people say now. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. It did not. They do? Uh, yeah, they do. It's like, like and there's, I was like, wow. So I think the way to stay relevant is to keep aware, especially online, of new platforms. We've always experimented. So that's why we created the Facebook group, because Facebook was focusing on groups. We got on Snapchat. We're on Pinterest. So I don't think it's impossible to stay relevant no matter how old you are. You just have to connect with the right people, keep your voice going. And I think more than trying to be young or be with it, if you're authentic, that resonates. Yeah. And I think curious, too. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and stay around like the cool young kids. So uh-huh. tell, you, wow. tell, tell you what's up. Um, social media today versus when you started. How do you view it? Is it our friend or foe? You know, I love it. I worry about what's happening to it. So we started a campaign called Ignore No More Online to deal with bullying and sexual harassment online. What's happened is that, you know, we're making the same mistake we made in real life where we we tell everyone to ignore sexual harassment and creepy DMs. Ask any girl, especially in India. She has like some guy talking to himself in her DMs, you know, and some I, by the way, I'm gonna interrupt you because I love the fact that you call you're you're calling these guys out. Yes. And it's very satisfying yes. because I think what happens is, you know, people say ignore it, but the girl who's got those messages or sometimes guys who got those messages will go home feeling that weight of it. And there's some things you kind of unsee, you know, I see an obscene picture. It's hard to get that picture out of my head and it's not fair. So it's very empowering. Even if I haven't reported someone and I didn't get the apology, hearing that another person did um, is so satisfying. It's very empowering. So the whole purpose of this campaign is threefold is awareness and empowerment that there are laws, accountability, because a lot of these kids who do this are 15, 16-year-old boys who don't know better and need to be told this. And they've we've had their parents call us crying. They've said, sorry, Didi, after calling you the most obscene things. And the third is I really want to get to a place of online gender sensitization at a primary school level. So before you can get online, you have to learn how to behave, just like you're taught how to walk, talk, cover your mouth and nose when you sneeze. Like, where are the rules for the internet? So I'm writing that rule book right now. That's amazing. Oh my God, please let me, I'm I'm so, I have two girls that are six and three and I'm like, I'm hoping, I'm scared of social media just for that. Yeah, I think it's very important also to educate our children, boys and girls about calling out to the parents when something like that happens and not feeling the need to hide it. And also educating the boys or the girls that this is what is the right way to communicate online, because a lot of it's for attention, but what is the right way to get the right kind of attention? What you and your hubby need to do is start a class at HBS about this topic and let him teach it. That's actually a good idea. idea. Just just throwing it out there. Because it needs to be a class. You know, just it needs like a, in all schools, I feel like at this point, because it's just such a it's just big like part of our lives. Education. This should be a gender sensitive. Yeah. yeah. And I think it will be. And I think you'll start it and I'll be at the first class. So, OK, lightning round. Let's get to the lightning round. Just first thing that you think of. Best or favorite interview and why? Oh, my God. Best one was Shara Khan because he taught my husband how to do the Raj air hug randomly. I love that one. I did see that. Yeah. I saw that one. Worst interview and why, if you can say it's it. Actually, in my book, the Abhishek Bachchan fiasco, because I was so nervous when I interviewed him. And I don't know what I started 
completely rambling and he's looking at me like I must be insane. I told him many years later and he's like, okay, I'm going to give you an interview redemption. So that's all. <laughs> and did you, did you get it? I, I have to do it still. Yeah. What is the one thing you regret the most on your journey? I think I regret sometimes not thinking before I speak or getting angry. I have a very short fuse and I'm very sorry immediately after, but I'm not able to stop myself as I get angry. So I'm working on that now. can't imagine. <laughs> I have to ask you this because this is my obsession. I saw somewhere that you met Josh Radner and I know it's random, but like just, you have no idea. Just wanted to know... How is my friend Josh? He's great. <laughs> like just really chill and fun, but also it's kind of bizarre to run into someone that you have just a virtual representation of. But very, very cool. Yeah, it's very. I, I like looked at that picture of you guys a couple <laughs> times. I, I am not weird, I swear. Say you weren't doing this, any of this. I know you've had like 10 different careers, so ignore all of that. What else would you be doing? I would be an archaeologist. I'm absolutely obsessed with the past. And I find it so fascinating. And I always wanted to, but I didn't even know where to begin. So it was just something in the back of my mind, archaeologist or psychology, one of those two. I feel like that makes sense with yeah. like your childhood stuff for some reason. Yeah, That's absolutely. awesome. I feel, yeah. I feel like you're going to be doing that in like 10 yeah, years. Like Egypt fine. is on my high list to go visit for sure. That's awesome. One person that you haven't interviewed that you are dying to. Amir Khan. I love Amir Khan. I've been oh, loving him for I forgot. Years. That's and another I, thing we have in common. I literally told him that I met him and I told him I've been in love with you since I was nine. And he, I must have made him feel really old. And the next time I met him, I tripped over him at a movie theater to his screening. And I turned around to say sorry. And I was like, I should have said something more. But I was trying to be cool. And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry. And I was like, I could have said a billion things at that point. It's so funny. I mean, I feel like this could happen, right? Like, why not? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it will. I believe so. I believe it's going to happen. All right. If you need uh, people to like zoom in on this, let me know. I'm, I had a, a little poster of him next to Andre Agassi and Keanu Reeves in my room. So he was number three. And I guess my last but most important question is that can you still dance? I can still dance. And I would show you now, but it's not possible here. But I just did like, so I actually got a dance revival because this influencer, Adil Khan, invited me to dance with him. And I loved it so much, you know, and like my assistant, Yansha, was just sitting and smiling at me saying, you love this so much. I can see it on your face. I'm going to sign you up for dance classes. And I absolutely just, I feel like it's in my blood and it always will be. I saw that and I was like, and I feel the same way. I'll never be a backup dancer again. But if you tell me to freelance dance, at least in my head, I can still dance. After you hit 40, things hurt. Muscle memory, muscle memory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I pulled a few muscles a couple of weeks ago trying to dance, but I was like, I can still do this. Awesome. I have a hundred more questions, but I know you got to go and I love you for your time. Really quick. I just want to take a quick picture of us just to prove that you hung out with me. That's so exciting. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. Ready? So I think I probably could have asked her like a hundred more questions. We didn't even get into the Bollywood scene, but we'll have to do that for part two. I'm very thankful for her time. You guys, please check her out at Miss Malini, at Malini Agarwal, or at Malini's Girl Tribe. She's doing some amazing, amazing work besides blogging about Bollywood. And as always, you can follow me at Ami Tuckered Out, DM me, leave me a review, say hi, whatever you feel like. We have a lot more coming up in the next few weeks. And I thank you guys for listening. 
See you next time. This is Amitagard out. 